back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Josh Wallenstein, a comedian in Binghamton and only the second person to ever record in my studio. That guest here is really getting around. What a whore. Josh started doing stand-up in Los Angeles in 2019, then had to move back home to Binghamton during the pandemic. Then he started working in the Binghamton scene in the summer of 2021. Josh is a really funny guy with some excellent stories and a wonderful set of Hanukkah pom-poms. Feel free to take that however you'd like, but you're going to love Josh. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you like what you hear, sign up for the Patreon. It's only five bucks a month. You can also follow Homebrewed Comedy on Facebook or go to homebrewedcomedy.com to see all of my show dates. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in Whatever, man. You can swear. You can do whatever you want. We'll talk for an hour or so. Perfect. Um, and then, you know, you can trash every comedian you want. You can... You can do whatever you want. Well, the only one I would trash is right here, so I don't know. That's, I don't, everyone else I love. No, well, that sucks. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming. You, you drove, what, 10 minutes to my house? It was. It actually turned out to be like 13, 14 minutes. Holy so shit. How, I do I, how do I repay you? I mean, you know, just being able to be in your presence <laughs> is is gift enough. It really is. It's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. It is, yes. But <laughs> no, no, I was saying you're the first guy who's invited me over in 2022. Well, you're first on my list, you know? <sighs> I was like, I would never choose anybody over Josh Wallenstein. I'm blushing over here. I'm, I'm so <laughs> flattered. I'm so you know, flattered. I, I don't think I'm ever going to fully, like with confidence, say your last name at a show or a mic or anything. I, Wait, I, say it again. You just Wallenstein. Said yeah. But I will always think it's Wallenstein and I'm getting it wrong. So I don't even, like, that's the thing. I don't care how people say my name. I... Um, and like people will say Wallenstein, Wallenstein, and I won't care. And then finally one other person will say in front of them Wallenstein and they'll be like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Like it was a huge secret. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't matter. I had a sixth grade teacher who she didn't know if it was Wallenstein or Wallenstein. And finally she just called me Steenstein over and over. That was, <laughs> that was my name for her the whole year, Steenstein. And I was like, okay, perfect. That works. I covered high school sports for like 12 years and I was down in Maryland and there was this really good football player and wrestler. He was a state champion wrestler, and he ended up playing, uh, like, on, I think it was a defensive end for Ohio University, something like that, Kent State, one of those schools. And his name was Mwanza Wamulumba. Oh. Mwanza Wamulumba. But for an, entire, for an entire year, everybody called him Walla Malumba. <laughs> oh, no. He never corrected no. <laughs> anybody. Because he didn't give a shit. He Yeah, and he knew. He and was, I was like, like, this is not. But I'm writing about him for a year, year and a half. And finally, his coach is like, yeah, it's Wamulamba, which is way easier. Yeah. It's not as fun to say. No, not but nearly. I, but I go over to him, and I'm like, dude, what's the deal? He goes, doesn't matter to me. I go, it's your name. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, I'm adding a syllable to it. We should be getting it right. I know. that's I know, but it is cooler the, the other way, but... I know. I've never cared about it. My And it's so weird because half of my family says it one way and then half – not my immediate family, but yeah. our immediate family says it one way. And then my cousins, they say it a different way. And so I'm like, well, it is what it is. So if they don't oh, – wait. 
Is it their last name too, your cousins? Yep. They say Wallenstein and we say Wallenstein. Is that a class thing? Like can you like like the Steens, they're they're lower much class than me? more upper okay. No, they're way, way more upper class okay. than we are. They are way we're trash. The Wallensteins <laughs> are absolute trash. The Wallensteins, they're a good time. They're Well, you are from Binghamton. So I am from Binghamton. we know you're trash. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah. good. I know I didn't even need to tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it speaks for itself. <laughs> My mom grew up in Binghamton and uh I'm Union Endicott trash. Mm, so yikes. we're yeah. I grew up in Crestview Heights. Okay. Think about it for a little bit. Can you picture a more white neighborhood? No. Than Crestview Heights? No. I don't think I can. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> we never, as far as, like, when I was in school, we never really, unless we played baseball or something like that, we never associated with the Binghamton kids. Oh. You know? It was weird. Like, But, like, that was how it was for every school. Yes. It, so I grew up um, going to Temple, and we had when we were all thirteen. There was like fourteen kids in my bar mitzvah class, so it was one year fourteen bar mitzvahs. It was like a great time, but at they were everyone's from different schools in the area, so there was like two or three of us from Binghamton, and then the rest from. Emmy, Yui, Vestal. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like, there was, like, this divide between, like, the school friends and then the Binghamton people. Because it was, like, you would, they'd ask, like, oh, where do you go to school? And we'd be, like, Binghamton. And they'd be, like, whoa, 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 whoa. You could see just, you could see their face just turn white. And they were just, like, okay, please don't stab us. Please. <laughs> please. Please don't. <laughs> just spare me. Uh, yeah. And so it was, like... When we played Coke and Pepsi, you know, yeah. all the Vestal kids were Coke and all the Binghamton kids were Pepsi. So, yeah, we just, UE kids, we didn't like Vestal. And there was no reason for it. No. Like, oh, yep. they're rich trash. But they can't so were a lot of us. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it really made no difference. Like, we should have just all hated Johnson City. <laughs> Why can't we all band together <laughs> yes. and just hate Johnson City? Of course. <laughs> like the it same people. Like, <laughs> let's all, why don't we all pick on, you know, uh, Shenango Forks or Shenango Valley? Yeah. Like the weird school. <laughs> yeah. you know, yes. it, it, just, it didn't make sense. But no, my mom was from Binghamton and then she got out of the area. Uh, she went to Ithaca and oh, Nazareth for her master's degree. Uh-huh. And then she, oh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, because she met my dad at Ithaca. And my dad was... He was a master, was getting, getting his master's degree. And then he was like a teacher's assistant to my mom's class. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's not while ethical. they were dating or. Oh, yeah. Oh my. That's how they met. Wow. So uh, he didn't believe in ethics. No. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this makes sense. The apple yes. does not fall far. Not at all. No. Not at all. So, uh, but that's how they ended up here. Like my, my grandma's from here and they moved around and then settled back in Binghamton. Oh, and okay. They're huge into the music scene. They're mm-hmm. both members. My dad was the, or my dad is the youth symphony conductor in Binghamton. And my mom played in like the second Binghamton youth symphony ever. And then she's married to my dad. Oh, my gosh. She's in all the alumni. My sister was in that symphony. Uh, I was not. I was not good enough. They told me that. <laughs> they didn't it's want really me to weird. think. Yeah, it's really weird when your dad's like, yeah, you're not cutting it. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you mean as a musician or a son? Yeah. Like, yes. Both. Yes. yes. <laughs> you're like, what happened to nepotism? I'm yeah. like, can I please get into the orchestra, please? <laughs> the only reason anybody will believe that I'm from Binghamton is because my mom's maiden name is Ruspentini. And like they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense because my grandpa Joe knew people who uh, knew okay. people uh-huh. who knew people. So, so they're like, oh yeah, they're they're a little bit 
connected. Well known. Yeah. yeah. We know the name. What did, wait, what did you play? I need to know this. I played tuba in from the, like ninth grade to 12th grade. And then I, I grew, I started playing trumpet, was bad at it. Mm-hmm. Then I got braces and got worse. And then uh, I played uh, baritone badly. And then I played tuba, did pretty well. And uh, like I was like state level good. Okay. And then uh, I switched to, or I also played trombone uh, in jazz and was pretty good at that. And then went back to the euphonium when we needed it. It was like baritone, whatever, cleaner baritone. Uh So yeah, I, I had to do music because my dad was the band director. And there was no way around it. Mm-mm. So you were like, you were doing music. Oh, yeah. Or do it like. My that. dad told me one time, it's <laughs> the stupidest logic. I was in like eighth grade. I didn't want to join marching band. I thought my life was going to end. And if people it, see me marching. Yeah. In a band. Yeah. In a uniform. Yeah. No. I'll kick my own ass. You know, <laughs> if I could. You know, I probably couldn't have kicked my own ass. But he goes, I'm in the kitchen. And I said, dad, I don't, I don't want to join marching band. And he says, Mike, do you like Sprite? I said, yeah, I like Sprite. And he goes, well, if you don't join the marching band, we can't afford to buy you Sprite. <laughs> was like, like your being in the marching band yeah, was like was bringing in <laughs> right i was like you don't get paid in a head count no like, you don't make commission off of kids who right. come in to and at that time it was like three 12 packs or 10 bucks i could buy my own sprite like yeah. if that was the get out of marching band free card you know, like, i can it. shoplift this myself yes, okay exactly. i don't need to be in the band yeah it made, it made no sense, but that's that was my dad's logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way. I got to bring that up to him, you know? Be like, wait, remember when you told me that we wouldn't be able to afford Sprite? Yeah. And He'll deny it, too. Uh-huh. He's a little asshole. But... Like, well, did you ever want for Sprite? And he'll no, say... What he'll say is, yeah, but aren't you glad you were in it? And I met good friends there, because anytime uh... you're there with... Like for four years with the same people, yeah, they make friends. It's because... I know it's so annoying when it's like you when your parents are right about something. Yeah. in high only in hindsight, it's like it's very annoying. Did you have to join anything when you were a kid, like just against your will, and you kind of liked it? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I was a very I was like very very musical. I did like yeah, I did like I was in like choruses. Yeah. I was in the musicals. I don't, I'm trying to think what my parents, no, because this is what happened. Like I was doing all music stuff and my brother who's two years older than me, he would do like, he'd play little league. He would play basketball. And I was like, well, I need to be doing these things. So I think it was like the opposite for me. I think my parents were like, please don't join basketball. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do little league. You don't have to do it. Please. (laughs) We can afford Sprite. Don't do it. (laughs) But I, I was like, no, I have to. I was like trying to be macho. And I was like, well, my brother does it. And I was like, he was good. So I'm going to probably be good. And I think they were, uh, they were very supportive of anything I did, um, which was so annoying how supportive they were. But I, uh, you know, they, knew it was not a secret that I was not <laughs> athletic, uh, athletically inclined, but my dad, the only thing is, and it wasn't like I had to join anything, but my dad, he's a big golfer. He loves to golf and he would always take me and my brother golfing with him. And it's not like mini golf. It's no. not, it's not a good time. No. It's, he would always take us golfing and I was so slow because I would like hit it. It'd go like two feet and I'd be like, Oh, got to hit it again. And I loved attention. I loved like anyone looking at me. <laughs> you don't say. So, yeah, I know. Believe it or not. I know it's hard to tell, but, <laughs> but so like people on the, who are behind us, they would like start while we were on hole nine. And then, you know, somehow they would catch up to us because I'm so slow. And so, 
I'd like make a huge production out of like, oh, my ball only went two feet. Got to hit it again. And I'd go and I'd have a little audience and my dad would get so mad. He'd be like, hurry, hurry. And then he would like let them pass. And he was just so that was like the one thing where it's like I went because we would get ice cream afterwards. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> he didn't enjoy me being there. I didn't enjoy being there. It was... Yeah, that one was the one thing that I was like, well, I didn't want to do this. I, I did this for the food afterwards. When I first moved out of my house and started writing for newspapers, I immediately regretted not learning how to golf because, like, mm. I got in, invitated. Uh, I got invited. I got invited <laughs> to uh, play with like the commissioner of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference and a couple other higher ups there, and I'm like, well, I don't want to slow down this group. So I, I, I'm going to opt out of playing golf. Uh-huh. And then my grandma's like, yeah, but you should learn how to play golf. I'm like, yeah, I will, but I don't have the money for left-handed golf clubs. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things wrong mate. Now I got to buy left-handed golf clubs out of it. And then I didn't like, even realize you were left. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I, don't my... write, I don't write a whole lot on stand up and right. Stand-up. That's true. I don't watch you eat, you know, with yeah, a spoon yeah. or anything. Try not to so, do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of things I'll do on stage, but we draw the line at eating cereal yes, yes. on stage. <laughs> Although, I don't know. I'm pretty desperate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, a couple years later, I moved to Maryland, and I get an invitation to golf again by, like, this uh, this owner of a, the Baltimore Mariners. It was, like, an indoor football team, and then the commissioner of the league. And then – Everyone uh, wants you to golf. Yeah. And then uh, their third person was Sam Perlazzo, who used to play for the Mets – and he was just fired Orioles manager. Oh, no. Which would have been fantastic. But I was like, I, I don't know how to play. Yeah, like, so this I is can't. embarrassing, but I cannot yeah. go. And it killed me. But, like, I was great at mini golf. Yes. Never, ever mastered driving or chipping or anything no. like that. I didn't have the, the attention span to do it. No. I didn't. Yeah, the attention span or just the – and I think, like – I don't mind being told what to do. I'm fine, like, taking direction. But, like, my dad would always be like, well, now you're going to want to use your nine iron. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm going to keep using my driver until I get to the green. So, like, just because <laughs> I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm a big boy. Right. I can do it. But I think so. It was a little bit of a combination of that. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to – I didn't want to learn how yeah. to play correctly. And that's, like, with so many things today, too, like – my brother and dad keep telling me, they're like, you need to get into stocks. You need to get into stocks, but I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. So I need to, I don't know what to do, but I don't want anyone to tell me. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm just not going to do it. And, uh, you know, like people, everyone's watching football and I'm in the room and I'm like, I want to learn, I want to know how this game works, but I don't want anyone to tell me how you it works. You want to figure it out yourself. I want to figure it out myself. Yeah. Yes. But I don't also don't want to research it. And I just want to figure out by watching one play because then I'll get bored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I get that. You get it. Yeah. 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 Uh, in order to learn football, because I was writing about it, I just started playing fantasy football. And uh, I was like, that's going to make me watch the game more. So I had to trick myself into learning football because I didn't give a shit about football. I, I was baseball and basketball and nothing else. Right. And did you have to spend money on your fantasy team? No. Not oh, that. Okay. Not a long time ago, no. Now, oh, gotcha. now I pay for every league. Right. But, you know, when I was 22 and broke, right, I mean, as opposed to 38 and broke. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it's a different kind of broke. Yes. It's like, oh, no. It feels I'm, different. It's, it's like a, a degenerate style of broke. <laughs> like, yes. maybe if I spend another, you know, $40, $50, I'll get 400 in eight months. Yes. Like that. Uh-huh. But, no, that's – but I had to trick myself into learning that. Uh-huh. And the carrot at the end was, oh, you have a job. 
that you need to get better at. So you might as well learn yeah, how to do it. That's true if you're writing about it. Yeah. You have to know the plays and what you're writing about. Or... Yeah, pretty much. And that like you can, sense. when you're, I mean, you could bullshit your way through a story. Yeah. You know, as long as you're a good listener. Yeah. Like I covered field hockey and wrestling. And I mean, you name the sport, I covered it. And I only know, you know, I'm an expert in like three sports, uh-huh. but I could write on 20. Yeah. Because you just ask the right questions and, you know, you get the stats and it, it works. So I had a field hockey player once tell me, she said, you were my favorite field hockey reporter I've ever talked to. Oh. You write the best stories and you know the game so well. And I'm like, I don't know the game that well. I've never watched a full like, game of I yours. just know how to write. <laughs> yeah. And it, I lied. You know, yeah. it, it worked out. You're like, so what you're telling me is that I'm a great writer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm like, thank you. That, that's all that's I wanted. Big but, compliment. But yeah. don't know anything about this sport. No, I just know, you know, you win two to one. Uh-huh. You know, and, a, and a, a, I know what a defensive stroke is and, and everything. So it yeah. that's not dirty. No, uh, mm-hmm. it could be. Don't get could any be. ideas. <laughs> Point at my cat. My cat is asleep. <laughs> <She's> asleep. <laughs> and you're making Mac out to be this dirty, dirty asshole. I mean, I could see the way he was looking at me earlier. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. It's funny because uh, um, you're gay. It's I don't true. know if you know that. It's true. But... I, I wanted to come out to the audience myself, but it's okay. I'll but, let you come out for so, me. So I'm introducing the cats and... and you pet my my buddy Dennis and you ran right away. And I'm like, oh, he's a homophobe. That's fine. Uh, not the first cat that's been a homophobe towards <laughs> me. It's okay. That's that's standard. The cats so, don't like me. When did you start doing comedy? Like three or four years ago? So, yes. I started at the very beginning of 2019. Um, yes, that was my first time doing it. I was in California. And my best friend, Sarah, her mom had like told me like so many times, she's like, you need to do stand up. You need yeah. to, because we, we would write together. We, me and Sarah, we write comedy scripts. And so, and I just like always need an audience. I need like, like we were talking about before, I just love attention. I just yeah. love to be in front of people and I love telling stories. And so she kept telling me, you need to do stand up. You need to stand up. And so we had moved out to California and, it was the new year and I just was like, you know what? I was like, if I don't just like do it now, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. So I Googled like open my comedy, open mics near me. And there was this one at, it was called the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. And it was like Thursdays at seven. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to put something together. And I wrote like just a quick five minute set. And I was like, you know what? It's, there's nothing great yeah. in here, but I'm like, it's, I just need to get up there and do it. And I don't know how you are with your first time doing it, but like, I will never forget like that moment. And I, it was in this like, first it was, they had this like big room where they'd have like the show shows. Yeah. And then they had this, so we started in there and because there was a band playing in the tiny room and then they were like, okay, now we're going to move over to the tiny room. And I don't know why I just felt so much better. I was like, oh, thank God. Like we're all closer together. And uh, I remember like, the I knew I was next on the list and sh- the the host went up to introduce me and I was like, even in that moment, I was like, she's not going to introduce me. She's not going to introduce me. I'm not going to have to do this. I'm yep. going to get out of yep. here and I'm never going to say anything and I'm never going to do it again. And she said my name and I was like, okay, well, I have to go up now. And I went up and I remember I told my first joke and one of the other hosts, he was listening and I couldn't see him, but because I the light was so bright and I just to this day, we'll always remember his laugh at that first joke. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. Yeah. Like, I was like, and at first I think I thought like, oh, he's being nice because he knows it's my first time. Like, he's just being gentle. And maybe he was, but I will like never forget that. And just like leaving, I felt like 
like when you go on like a really good date and you just feel like this high. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I was like, this was, I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm like, this is what I want. I want to feel this all the time. Yeah. It was just so crazy. So, yep. So I started there. That was my first time and would do that open mic for a while. And then, so that was in Ventura. I moved closer to LA and it was very fun because there were like every, every night there were like dozens of open mics you could go to and they were like the, you'd pay $5 and you'd get your five minutes and there are these tiny rooms, probably like the size of this room. And there's like eight people waiting to go. Most of them are not laughing at your, your stuff. But if you had like one person laugh, you're like, okay, this is good. Yeah. It felt like it, you know, it was worth the time. Right. Exactly. I'm like, oh, these people who aren't laughing at anyone chuckled a little bit at that one joke. So, okay, good. I know that one's going to work. But yeah, so I started, um, there, yep. Did it through 2019. And then, um, then the pandemic came and I was like, okay, a little break from this, I guess. <laughs> I guess we're taking a break. But at least everybody took a break. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Sarah go to your first open mic? No, she was at home visiting her family, which I think for me, like I, she is so supportive, comes to like all of my stuff. But there I, I went and I was like, I think I didn't want anyone there that I yeah. knew because I was like, well, I might fail at this thing. And then, so, which she wouldn't care at all. Like she would be so supportive no matter what. But I was like, oh, no one's seeing me. No one knows yeah, that I'm doing yeah. this. I didn't tell anyone I was going. And so it was like less pressure for me, I think. The first time I went to an open mic, it was at Maddie B's in Binghamton. Uh-huh. Uh, you ever been there? Yes. Okay. Once so for a comedy night. Yeah. Oh, really? I, I, I didn't perform. I was watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Years and years ago. Oh, so yeah. Must probably saw you there. Possibly. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> forgive you. <laughs> so I went there the first time I was going to do stand-up, and I didn't sign up. And Marty, the bartender slash owner, he asked me, he's like, you're going to go up? And I said, no, maybe next week. And... Then I had to tell everybody. I texted everybody on my phone. Mm. Basically, I was like, hey, I'm doing stand-up next week. So not not because they it. would be there, but because I was like, oh, now Hold you I have to – Exactly. I have to report back to them how it went. Yep. So I did it. And no, I went there with no friends and, you know, it was good. Yeah. You know, and I had a, I had a good set. My grandpa had just died that week and the eulogy was that morning. So I basically oh, wow. did – you're like, I did the same set, set twice. <laughs> I did my stand-up set at his eulogy. Oh I worked it out in front of family. You're like, so a little about me, guys? Uh, <laughs> it was it was mostly about my grandpa, so it worked out. And oh, that's I came perfect. Back. So I was like, I figured it was a, it was two safety nets because I wasn't going to get heckled at the viewing and the funeral, uh. you know? And my opening line was, well, my grandpa died today <laughs> or whatever. I buried my grandpa today. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll at least get the... The pity yes. from the audience, they're not going to be, you know, horrendous to me. Yeah, they they're can't like, oh, be mean to a guy whose guy grandpa just died Yeah. So, no, it, it went well. But I, I I wondered with that because I, I wanted to know if you needed somebody to, to hold you accountable. Yeah, I know. I think that I – I think now, like – she is so like, I love having her there now because she will t- tell me straight up, yeah, this didn't work. Or you need to reorder this, which like, or like, oh, this got a good laugh. Like, keep doing that one. And so she knows comedy and she like gets, she gets the structure of it. She gets what's funny and why. And, and she's just so supportive. But I think that first time I was like, 
in case I chicken out, in yeah. case I, you know, fail at this thing, then I'm like, oh, it never happened. You know, wash my hands of it. <laughs> it's whatever. But then afterwards, I was like, oh, man, like that was that went really well. Like, yeah. and obviously, if I watched it back right now, I'd be like, oh, gosh, that oh, I won't cringe. I could not. I record all of my sets and I don't know why sometimes because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not uh-huh. going to watch that. I've got YouTube clips that, you know, are private. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll watch it and I'm like, oh my God, what was it doing? Yeah. Like, and there's a, a couple of jokes I like, but if I go back to my early material, I mean, I started six years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, some would argue I'm not a good writer now. Imagine what I was six years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm looking at that, I'm like, there is no punchline. Right. Like, what the hell was I doing? Yes. You know, and I thought I deserved to be on a show. Like, uh-huh. I wouldn't book me, yes. you know? And so it's, it's funny. And that was the same thing when I was writing journalism. I mm-hmm. I was a hot shot out of college, at least I thought I was. And then I got my first job. I worked at the Preston Sun Bolton in Binghamton uh-huh. for like six weeks. And then I moved to Lockheed, Pennsylvania. I was a lead high school writer, but I wasn't talking to anybody. I was talking to like a coach, maybe two coaches, none of the players. Like uh-huh. it was like there was a lot of stuff I didn't know yet. And then I kept reading and then expanding. And then two years went by and I won't look at my first story. It makes me sick because I'm like, no, I was so raw then and so bad. Yeah. I I don't recognize that writer. Right. So I think that's the same thing I go with as a comedian. Like, you know, Josh in 2019, you know, is probably unrecognizable to Josh in 2021. Right. And I mean, they say like, you don't know what you don't know. So when you were starting out journalism, like you probably didn't know. Like if you now could tell you then like, oh, you're going to want to do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. You would, but... Yeah, I think for um, for me, I'll look look back at some of my older stuff and I'll just be like, it is so like, and I think this is something I'm always working on in comedy is like trying to make it not feel scripted. And yeah. it is like, make this natural, make it sound like it's the first time you're saying it. Where do I look to make it seem like that? Do I look people in the eye? And I, it's all those things, but I'll like watch my earlier stuff. And I think I was so, so nervous about deviating from the jokes I had at all. So I was like, okay, I'm going by this script. If I mess up one word of it, I'm going, I'll be thrown yep. off. I will yep. not know how to find my way back. So I would not say anything else that was unplanned. I would not I wouldn't go with what's in the room. Like if I saw something, I would like, I wouldn't say anything about it. Or if something happened, I wouldn't say anything. Like someone could have like passed out in the front row and I'd be like, it's not part of my script. <laughs> like I have to keep going. I'm sorry. Like you'll, we'll, I'll be done in three and a half minutes and then we'll take care of you. But yeah, I think um, that's one of the things that when I look back, I'm like, oh gosh, I thought I was doing so good. I yeah. thought I was killing. And then I'm like, oh gosh, it's such a script. It's like, and there are jokes, like there are punchlines, and but it was not like quality stuff. Yeah. yeah. I did a contest one time in Utica and I had a joke that always worked. Uh-huh. And I was doing a lot of one-liner stuff and the joke didn't work and it threw me. <gasps> so I'm like, oh no, now what? So I accidentally used my last joke oh, no. in like the third minute. <gasps> And then for the next four minutes, I was trying to figure out what jokes to tell uh, and because I was so scripted. Yeah. And when I was doing all the one-liners, I'm like, okay, well, I'll group these four together. I'll group these four together and memorize those four and put them together so I can memorize those 12 or 16. Yep. And it just a way to trick myself in, into doing something right. I was fucked. Yeah. And a couple of my friends in Utica came out to watch. 
Oh, no. And they're like, no, you're great. I'm like, I was not. Don't lie to me. To my, I, I, I'm surprised I remember it now. I, I pushed it that far out. Yeah. And it was like, but that told me, I was like, oh, no, you have to be a little more conversational. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't rely on that because something's going to happen. Right. And, you know, somebody's going to comment. Like, I just saw last night and people tagged my own jokes and i was like that's weird yeah. uh, but i'm like all right let's, like, let's roll with it. These. Yeah. yeah exactly so i'm like all right fair enough and you know i, I ended up getting a couple minutes of crowd work out of it and i'm like okay mm-hmm. that's something i definitely couldn't have done in my first or second year right yeah i even today i am too nervous to do crowd work i yeah. will like and we've talked about this before but like i so want to like so bad and like if i say one thing to someone i'm like okay good i like that i did my crowd work i'm done but i want to be able to like get to the point where i can have a conversation and then work my way seamlessly right back to the material and then keep going with the jokes and like talk to people whatever i want it to be like natural and yeah i want it to i think my worry is that like Oh, it'll just be not funny. Yeah. Which it might not be funny, but whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly. And where did I just see someone yesterday posted something? It was like, the great thing about comedy is people will laugh or they won't. And like, those are the only two. (laughs) They're not going to like kind of, it's just, yeah, they'll laugh or they won't. But yeah, I think now I'm getting to a point where I have enough stuff that like, consistently works whether or not it's like the biggest laugh or not you know but it'll get a laugh and so i know that like i'll do a lot of material on my mom you've heard like it's my mom passed away um like six or seven years ago and so i'll like do a lot of stuff about that but sometimes where what i would used to do like i would just start that i have like three or four minutes of material on that. And I would start it. And I'm like, if I knew from the first joke, it was not getting a laugh. I would be like, well, I have to keep going. Like, I can't not say this stuff. This is all I have. But now I'm like, Oh, that one didn't work. We're not doing the dead mom stuff right now. We're going to do more of the gay shit that they liked, you know, or we're going to, you know, do some random stuff. Yeah. So that's hard for, it's hard for me to learn now, even like, uh, uh, because I'll fall in love with a little bit of material. Yes. And I'm like, oh, no, I want to do this. Like, that's why I'm here. I want yeah. to do this. And they don't like it. And I'm like, oh, no, this is a wrong decision. Yep. And then it changes by the room. Right. So you're it's- like, okay, well, the dead mom stuff works in Cortland. Oh, it, it doesn't work in a Wego? That's weird. Yeah. And it's like, but that's, you know, four minutes. Yep. Like I got to do 20. Right. Like, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to just change on the fly yes yeah it is and i think like you're talking about falling in love with a little bit of your material like for me that mom stuff is like stuff that i love that like i've written for years and have like tweaked for years and like even the other night i like said one one joke about it and it did not get a lot and i was like okay well i'm not gonna do any of that stuff and so i pivoted and did some stuff about like um teaching which i like some my teaching stuff is new because i just started teaching but i was like i like it but i don't love it as much as my yeah. i didn't so i'm like why can't you guys appreciate my dead mom <laughs> for who she is i'm like guys she died for these jokes yeah exactly this is she was giving me a gift okay <laughs> she knew i was gonna get into comedy and she was like he needs something he needs something. but yeah so it is it is tough when you're like oh i'm really gonna tell it. and i i mean I think sometimes there are people that will just be like, well, you're not going to like this, but I'm going to do it anyway yeah. because I love this joke. And it's like, or yeah, finding a way to to save it even after yep. it like bombs. But what's funny and, and frustrating, like I'm, 
I produce most of the shows I do and I'm cleaning up afterward. And, you know, somebody will come up to me and I'm like, I, I don't think he or she enjoyed this night. And they'll come up and be like, yeah, I really like that guy. And I really like that joke. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't express it you all didn't. night. <laughs> it's like you, you like that cancer joke. I could have used your help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this, this information would have been useful 20 minutes ago. Exactly. When I was up there I was feeling like, uncomfortable. You have, I cried. Yeah. While, while because I, I was of off you. stage. Yeah. yeah. Like, like you hurt my feelings. Yes. But it's like, I don't, I don't know why people are sometimes like, because uh, I, I don't know. How long did it take for you to make jokes about your mom? Like after she died? Uh Oh, it was like three or four years. Oh, is yep. that like, I don't mean on stage, but like really. Oh, like, in, oh, in, oh, in real life. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In real life. Um, it was a couple months. Yeah. Okay. And then, so yeah. I would think for me, I would probably joke about it in a couple of, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mom, if you're listening, which I, I'd be shocked. We love you. Die. <laughs> and so I can figure it out. But like, I just don't know. <laughs> you know, a good experiment. Like, yeah. I mean, come on, do it for the, the people. Uh-huh. But I, I don't know. I, I would think I would joke about it pretty close to when she died. Uh-huh. That's the way my family is. Right. Like we have, we all have a dark sense of humor that is kind of, I mean, it's like almost fueled on hate yeah. and like annoyance and frustration of those around us. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, that that's where I am. I'm like, like, no, everything can be funny to me. Yes. And it bothers me when somebody else is offended by the dead mom joke I told or yeah. something like that, you know, yeah. whatever works for my life. Right. Uh, it, it's like, like I got stabbed and yeah. like people are like, oh, if I joke about that, I'm like, oh, really? I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, but I'm. I already got stabbed. That was years ago. I'm trying to tell a joke now. I don't need your sympathy. Yeah. Here. Like, yep. You you paid to laugh, right? Your way of showing me sympathy will be to laugh at this because yeah. that will help heal me. Like that. Exactly. Yes. And I think like today me would laugh about it instantly. I think it was, you know, I was it was a different time for me and my wife and too. But but yeah, like now I it is so bizarre telling jokes and people going, oh, or just yeah. shaking their head. And I'm like, this is my experience. Like this, you can have your, but I think for them, it's either like, they're like, oh, I don't have permission to laugh at this. Yeah. It's like, I'm not allowed to yet. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Me telling the joke was giving you permission. Yeah. Like this is, it's okay. Yeah, it is. That is so hard. And because I'm like, guys, we can, <laughs> we can all laugh about this now. We can laugh, you know? And I'm like, also, I'm like, you didn't know her. Yeah. You did not know my mom. <laughs> Like, your your dad comes to your shows sometimes. Yes, he now, does. Now, what does he think about the the dead mom jokes? So, he hadn't heard them until the Owego show. Did you warn him? So, the day before, I was like, he told me he was coming, and I, I texted him. I was like, I just want you to know I do some stuff about mom. And he, like, right away was like, you don't have to warn me. Like, you do, it's your experience. Like, you do whatever you need to do. And... Uh, I remember even telling those jokes, and I remember getting to them. I was in my head. I'm like, "Oh, I can see my dad." I'm getting to the, <laughs> like a joke, like one of the one of the ones I I tell about her is like um, that. You know, I tell one joke about her that always gets a oh, oh, the Regal Rewards one, like, and it's, it always gets like a, a bad reaction. And then I follow it up with, "Oh, don't worry, I like ran that joke by my mom before she died. She wasn't doing a whole lot towards the end. She was kind of a couch potato." Yeah, and. I remember I got to that line and I could hear my dad laugh. Like I could hear his chuckle. And even after the show, it was like a couple of weeks after he was like, man, that couch potato line, that was funny. And I was like, whew, okay, good. I and think I was standing next to your dad. Oh, you were? And okay. I watched him and one of his buddies was turned around to laugh with him. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. But I think he, I think his friend was gauging. 
are you okay with yeah, this? Yeah. Am I allowed to laugh can at this? Can I do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, I like our friendship. Can we can still I, be friends? <laughs> wait, wait, if I laugh hard at this, will, <laughs> yeah. will it be okay? Yes, that was that was a good experience for me because, and like, yeah, he has been like, he's just so supportive and he does like just come to any show he can come to, which is very nice. But yeah, I was very worried because, and he's never been like, he was never like the dad that was like, shut down like after she died which like he was like always like kept moving and kept doing his thing so i never was like oh if i tell this joke this will hurt him or this will like make him sad like i thought maybe he would just say like oh it's just insensitive or something like that or like "Eh, you don't need to talk about but he was just like no it's great keep going so i'm like okay good we're doing it my parents don't come and see me very often and i have jokes about my grandma my dad's mom who died and if he saw me, I think I would be worried about mm. I might change up the set list so that make sure that I didn't have a joke about his mom there. But I know we joke about his mom all the time. I just don't know if he wants me to do it on stage yeah. in front of people like who he, don't know her. He doesn't know I have jokes written about her uh-huh. and like specifically like when she died or when my grandpa died. Like we found my grandpa. I haven't told it. I think I told this the first open mic I had. I don't think I've touched it again. But my grandpa died while he was on the toilet. Oh, my gosh. Which I thought was the greatest way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine the feeling. And then the uh, I'm done. Yeah. That's euphoria. That was and like, but that's, that's a good one. We, and we were, we were driving to see him. I don't think my dad would ever appreciate hearing a joke about his parents dying or something. Right. It's probably right. not something he wants to think about all the time. Uh, or yeah, so I get it. I wonder too if it's like a well, we know them, so we can laugh about yeah. it. But these people who are laughing at it, they don't know. Like, well, yeah, that's like like I have a, a sister whose um, diagnosis was mentally retarded. I forget what the exact you know PC term is now, mm-hmm. but nobody could make fun of her. I could make fun of her because mm-hmm. she's part of our crew, right? But you can't. You can make fun of her with me. But never, ever say anything to her face. Yeah. Like, that was just always not cool. And I would right. get defensive. And so the only time I'd ever defend my sister, who would steal money and clothes from me. Uh-huh. But I'm like, right. hey, she's my target. You right. know, we don't, we don't make allowed. fun of her like that. Right. Yeah, 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 we just yeah. make fun of her as a family to each other and let her go. And then, right. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. She can live in bliss because she's probably happier than we'll ever be. Uh-huh. Um, but no, it's, it's yeah, it's probably like an us and, us and them type thing. Yeah, I think so. I think so, so just, when did, why did you move to LA? Was it, I mean, you were writing scripts with Sarah. Yeah. So we wanted to do screenwriting. Okay. So it was me, Sarah and our friend Hannah, who, um, we had been working on a couple of shows for a while and we were just like, you know what, if we don't do it now, like we don't have families, we don't have anything tying yeah. us here right now. And we're like, we had all just finished grad school at the time. So we were like, let's do it. Like, let's, you know, just try it. And we even said beforehand, because we were like all going back and forth. We're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And then um, we were like, okay, let's just test it out for a year. And we'll reassess at the end of the year. Do we, are we happy? Like, do we want to stay there? And so I was there for a little less than two years, which I, I like, I really enjoyed it there. And it was a great experience. But I, I think... I knew that what I was, well, number one, the pandemic, I had no option. I had to come back. But I think even before then, I was like, do I want to stay here? Like, is this where I want to be? And I think I knew that, like, the things that I wanted to be pursuing, I could do closer to home. Whether, like, that's just that I could be in the city doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, once I make enough money reading that. Like, but I just, I think I knew I'm like, I just need to be closer to family and I needed to be back at home. But it was just a great experience. I was working 
at Paramount Studios. I was a, a tour guide there giving tours around the, the studio, which was like a very cool experience. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, met some really great people, but just needed to be closer to my roots. So you think even if the pandemic hadn't happened, you'd have been in Binghamton right now? Um, by now, yes. I think it would have yeah. taken me a little longer, but I definitely, th- I don't think I would have stayed there much longer than I had. Yeah. Was it tough moving home? Um, because I know when I moved home, I was away for, I think I was away for twelve years, thirteen years, something like that. Where were you? And I was in Maryland. Okay. And, oh, I guess I guess it wasn't that long. Yeah, I was. I I guess eight to ten years, something like that. Okay. And I was in Pennsylvania, then Maryland. And when I moved back originally, I was like lost, you know, mm-hmm. I, I failed and I got to come back. Yeah. Uh, and that obviously wasn't the case. I mean, you know, I I left journalism right. and I was doing Amazon sales and making more money. And then I, I didn't need to live in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can live in Binghamton and pay, you know, less for everything. Be more comfortable. Yeah. Right. So, and my, my parents are six minutes away and, yep. you know, I had a niece and nephew and a grandma who's here. So I'm like, I didn't fail. But when you have to tell your friends, oh yeah, I'm moving back home. Right. It, it just doesn't have the good connotation. Right. 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 It does. I think there is something about, either saying or just going like going back home which feels like oh i'm starting back at the beginning yeah. but it's like no like i have you have to keep in your mind like this is part of the upward motion like i just think of everything like you're going up a roller coaster and it's just taking you up and up and up and sometimes yeah even like when i came back I've, i was like oh am i starting back at the beginning and i'm like oh no 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 like because i've done all that and when you were in maryland you did all yeah. the things you did and that's only going to help you further your career in whatever you end up doing so like it's all part of the upward motion. And I think for me, for me coming back home, it was initially, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm a failure. I didn't feel like I was moving backwards just because everyone was, no one was doing anything. No one could do anything. So all my friends that were doing stand up in LA weren't doing stand up. Or if they were, they were doing like a couple Zoom shows, yeah. but ultimately they weren't doing stand up. And so I was like, okay with it. And I was like, happy to be back here with my dad. And then I got a job subbing at at schools and I really enjoyed that. I think when it got to the point where things started opening back up again and I saw friends in LA who are posting about doing stand-up and they are posting their clips and they were, you know, texting me, telling me, oh, I got back into, I'm here, we're doing this now. And I'm like, ah, like that's when I started to feel like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not doing anything. I, I can't do anything. And it wasn't until I just really felt so down. Like it was last summer and I was just like, I just like craving doing it. I was like, I haven't done it and I haven't done stand up in so long. So there was a drag show at the cider mill. And so I was like, I just need to do something. And I was like, I need to create like, if nothing's coming to me, I was like, I need to like do something somewhere. So I asked some of the Queens, I was like, could I like, do five minutes of stand up like yeah. before the show. Like, can I do anything? And they were like so nice. And they were like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, we would love that. Like, please, you know, we'll have you. They had me during the intermission or right, right before the intermission, they had me go. And it was like, I hadn't done stand up in over a year and a half at that point. And I was like, well, this could go terribly. This could really, <laughs> I was right, like, right. am I going to remember how to do it? Like, is it going to be natural? And it was just like the best experience. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this is what like, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I want to be doing. And then it was the week after that, that I had seen someone share, or maybe I Googled 
um, I was like, I need to be doing open mics. And I saw the one at Kelly's yep. and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I was like, and it was literally like half an hour before it started. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, this is tonight. This is now. And I was like, well, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And right. I was like, so I have to like, I have to go. So I went and I did it. And I, that's when I started to feel like, okay, I didn't take a step back. Like I am have the whole time have been like moving forward and like doing what I need to be doing, even if I'm not there, which I know I do think, you know, there are people or there, I don't think there are people, but I think in my head, I was like, oh, like everyone knew I moved to LA. Like I had posted things yeah. like they know it wasn't a secret that I was there. And then now it's not a secret that I'm back. And I'm like, oh, what are people thinking? Like, yeah. Are they thinking, oh, he's a failure? Like, oh, he couldn't cut it, you know, couldn't make it. But then I felt more of a sense of purpose and more of a sense of like, oh, I'm doing what I want to be doing when I found the Kelly's open yeah. mic, like that started to get the ball rolling for me. So when I, I feel bad it. because like, like there's a lot to do now, but like before the pandemic, there was a lot more mm. like there, there was an open mic scene and shows in Syracuse and Utica and Scranton and Ithaca. I mean, all around. So like you really, if you wanted, I mean, if you could drive a little bit, right, you could, be on stage every day. Yeah. You know, it was almost like, I mean, it wasn't New York City mm-hmm. because you couldn't do like multiple in a day, but you can keep busy. Yeah. Right now there's enough to do. Right. But I wish you were here four or five years ago to see what it was like. Yeah. Because it was a little bit, I don't know if it was better. It was, there was more to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the quality now might be better than it was back then. Okay. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Right. But I think eventually... I don't know how much longer you're staying, sticking around, but like, you know, eventually things are going to rebuild and right. you're going to have a lot of options. You're going to have a, uh, I mean, when's, I mean, I've got a bunch of shows, but like, like you're going to have multiple shows in the areas. You're going to have multiple mics. Mm-hmm. And things. So like, you'll be able to take this, you know, four minute chunk on your mom and see how it plays in three cities in a week. Uh-huh. So it's, yeah, there's enough to do. It's just not. Not everything's in walking distance, you know, like can't take a subway or, right. you know, uh, just, you know, you can't go to, we don't have a Ventura comedy club, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a decent place to do comedy though. Yeah, I know. And I think like for me, I mean, it's good. I didn't know that yeah. <laughs> it was like booming yeah. before because this is all I know, but I, for the past year had thought there's nothing in being a Like yeah. there's no comedy here. There's no way I'm able to pursue this thing. And that's what was making me feel so down. But I do like, and when I was doing stand up in LA, like I would pay five dollars to do five minutes. Yeah. Now you have a, it's a free mic. Yep. And we can do seven, eight, nine minutes, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. You don't give a fuck how many minutes we do. And so I'm like, oh, I would never get this experience anyway. And even in New York, like, yeah, you can do multiple mics a night, but I know some of them are lottery. And then yeah. some of them, you know, oh, it's a three-minute limit, you know, and then you're paying on top of that. And so there are, I think, just so many perks of, like, doing it here. And you were we were talking about, like, it's just central to other places. Yeah. So whenever I talk to people from New York City or L.A., any big city, they're always like, wow, we have to do three and a half minutes here. And we do have to pay. And it's like, yeah, uh-huh. up here you can do, I mean, the shows I do are generally four-person shows. So, like, you can get 15 to 20 minutes of stage time in front of, like, an actual audience. Yep. And you can't do that everywhere. No, you can't. And this, like, when you had asked me to do 20 minutes at a show recently, it was the first time I was able to, like, 
string things together yeah. and like make a story, make callbacks, and have this and that. But it's like no, like you're it's you're so focused on like the three or four minute ones. You're trying to like see, okay, does this individual joke work? Does this joke work? And it's like you can't put them all together, right. so you can't create a flow. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm able to like have enough the stuff to like put it together and make a a set, which was like I'm like I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, and you know I. I get myself in trouble a little bit because uh, Cindy Arena in Rochester, uh-huh. uh, we, we did a show with her in Cortland, and she was fantastic. But she came up to me and she goes, I, was, I asked her to do 20 to 25, and she goes, yeah, um, I'm not used to doing more than 10. And I was uh-huh. like, in my mind, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what did I do? Because <laughs> I didn't think about that because Rochester does mainly showcase shows. Right. And she's yep. working a lot in New York City. So she's doing like... 10 minutes yeah and she did well and she did really well and it's like okay like it worked mm-hmm. but i'm like i i always have to remember not everybody's not used to working in binghamton where i tell everybody i'm like yeah i don't lose i don't use a light yeah you're like i trust so, you <laughs> yeah, I trust you have fun yeah and the shows for me i'd like for the shows to be 90 minutes and they're budgeted in a way where we can all i mean you can get uh-huh. that yeah so i trust everybody to do it but there are a lot of producers who don't and Probably with good reason. Right, but right, no, right. I mean, so I think, I, that's why I think Binghamton has a leg up on some other places. Yeah. Just because even the open mic, like if you want to run eight, nine, ten minutes, you can. Right. You know, I mean, there are people who do 12 and 15 and I bitch about it afterward. But I'm like, I did it to myself. So <laughs> what am I like, I didn't light them. So. Yeah. yeah I was like, and then I'm always afraid that, that like a new comedian will come up here and I'm so used to not lighting that I didn't even tell them about a light. So uh, if I bring it out, I'm like, do they even know what that is? They're like, oh, he really likes me. He wants me to keep going. Yeah. He's lighting me. Well, and also like like uh, anybody who comes up through here, like let's just throw Mark Hoover there. I'm like mm-hmm. he has not done a show yet with a light. Uh-huh. So I feel like I'm kind of fucking him over because like, you know, there's a light, you know, <laughs> when they flash it, there's a minute left. Make sure you know what to do. Get off. I guarantee you he has no idea what to do when he sees a light. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's on me. He's going to be like, all right, so I keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep... Oh, five more minutes? Five more minutes. That's okay, that's all the right. sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They <laughs> love me. They... <laughs> yep. Do you remember the worst set you've ever had? Any shows? Ah. Uh, so the set itself didn't go terribly. Okay, so we... I think a weird show, too. Okay, so this was... It was probably just my own fault. But so, okay, we, it was me and a couple of my friends who were doing comedy in Ventura. And the, the mic we were normally going to wasn't happening for a little while. So we were kind of like searching, like, where around the area can we go? And there was this brewery. And so they had at this brewery, it was a music open mic. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a music open mic. They had it every week. And, so we were like, well, let's just go and we'll at, we'll talk to the host, see what he says. So we walk in and everyone's there like tuning their instruments and they're like playing their little harmonicas. And we walk in, we talk to the host and he goes, oh my gosh, this is excellent. He's like, I've been wanting to kind of like diversify the mic a little bit. He's like, we have someone who does like slam poetry. Like this will be, this will be perfect. We would like, he's like, can I put you guys like in the middle to kind of be almost like an intermission? And we were like, yes, Absolutely. So we go and we're like, is there anything like off limits? Like, he was like, I mean, he's like, maybe, he's like, you don't have to throw the F word around every, you know, every sentence, but you know, he's like, we're all adults here. Like, whatever, have fun with it. You know, we're mature. And I was like, awesome. So we do it that week. Everyone loves it. They are like, 
just so happy to have something different. And so we go that week, we go the next week, we go the next the week after. The fourth week that we went, we we go and I maybe added a couple new things, you know, whatever. I was doing pretty much the same stuff. And after the show, the guy who owns the brewery, not the host, the guy who owns the brewery, uh, he comes up to me and he goes, listen, I want you to come back. But if you're going to come back, he's like, you can't be doing this. He's like, this is not good. He's like, what did he say? I'm trying to think of his wording. He's like, um, he's like, if you're going to come back, he goes, you need to clean it up. That was it. And I don't have anything that's too like crap. I have like a couple like whatever innuendos, like gay stuff, whatever. I talk about tops and bottoms, that kind of stuff. But nothing that's like super, super crap. I did in one of my jokes instead of like now I've cleaned it up and I used to say, uh, now I say something about being a huge fairy or a huge flamer and I used to use the actual F word oh, yeah. for gays yeah. and I was like well I can use it like it's fine also I'm like people laughed they liked it but he was like really upset with me and I was like why did you wait four weeks to tell me this? Like, why would you have not told me? <laughs> I wanted me? to bury you. Yeah. I'm like, why did you wait? And so, so that happened. And right after I had gotten a beer and my friends were going out to the patio and there was a food truck out there. So I take my beer and I walk out and I was like, <laughs> I was like complaining about the guy and he's right behind me and he like, cause he had like rushed out the door and he like grabs the beer out of my hand and he's like, you can't have these out here. What are you thinking? And he runs back inside and I was like, what? And he's like, you're going to get us arrested. He's like, we can't have, he's like, we can't have beer outside. And I was like, oh, like I had no idea. Like you should tell people that. And you walk inside and there's like this huge sign right next to the door. It says no alcohol beyond this point. Put your beers down. Don't even think about it. And I was like a huge stop sign. And I'm like, all right. All right. So you did. You did. But it was just so uncomfortable after that. I would walk in and he was just not happy to see me. It was like just very cold towards me. So that one, that was like an uncomfortable experience. It was like, uh, and this is like, like I said, nothing happened d- wrong during the yeah. show. But like, um, I'm trying to think of another. I think I had one that threw me off so much. I was, um, it was like a really tiny show. Um, at this bar in LA and I had told one of my dead mom jokes and it was the first one. And this guy in the front, he just yells low and inside. <laughs> and Did I you was like, the reference? no, I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. If you, I was like, if you paid a little more attention during little league, you might've gotten it. Yes, I know. Your if brother, I, did, I guarantee knows it. Oh, he would know what low and inside <laughs> means. He would absolutely know. But I think that threw me off so much that, like, the whole rest of it, I just was, like, fumbling over my words. I could feel myself turn red, and I, I was like, everyone can see that I'm red. Yeah. Every, I was like, it's not, it's a small place. They can see that I'm red. And I was just in my head so much, and I, like, was spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. And then it was, like, one of those, like, well, I've done enough damage. I'm done here. I've done it. And I don't know why that threw me off so much. But then... It wasn't, I don't think it was the end of that show, but it was the end of another one. And this guy comes up to me. He was another comedian who was on the show. And he comes up to me and he goes, he's like, all your gay stuff kind of blends together. And I was like, 
so does all your straight stuff. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, they're distinct jokes. Yeah. I'm like, are you listening to the jokes? <laughs> because they're they're separate. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know what to say. And I just was at the time. I was like, well, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. But, so do you think it was a compliment or was he? No, I think okay. he was saying like, I don't think he was saying like, oh, it has good flow. Yeah. I think he was saying like, it's all the same. Okay. So here's here's my interpretation of that. Yeah. And I'll say this. Because I'm, you think it's all the same too. No, no, but I think it's similar. But I do think there's jealousy in that mm. because I think the same. I get mad, not mad. I get irritated because I can't have that stuff. Uh-huh. It's the same way, like the black white stuff. I can't yeah. have the black person's experience. So when I see a black comedian doing, you know, quote unquote black material, I'm like, shit. That's off limits to me. That, right. Yeah. It's good stuff. And I'm yes. like, but I can't have it. Right. So I think that might be why. Like there's a there's a, a tinge of jealousy. That could and be. And what he saw is like, oh, you got laughs out of that. I'll never be able to not get those laughs, but. On that topic. On that topic. That, like right. that topic is off limits unless I do some really weird <laughs> if stuff. I you know? start experimenting now. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's probably the underlying message. Right. And I didn't that, think about it yeah. that way. And it, yeah, that could have been. I think for me, I always like am in my head and I go up and I'm like, because I do feel like some of my stuff, like, I think it's like well-written and I think like some of the jokes, like I'm very proud of, she all, she wrote all of it. Yeah. 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 So I have to say like, they're good jokes. Right. right. Um, Oh, she don't want to write material. Exactly. I know. I got to keep my ghostwriter, you know, Um, but like, I am proud of it, but I do feel like sometimes when I perform and it's like, it's, I'm sure it's just in my own head, but I'm like. I don't think people can hear anything other than gay. Like, yeah. I think they just hear, like, or they see that I'm gay or they they hear it. And that in itself is funny to them. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want that to be the funny, th- the, the funny part. I want the funny part to be the punchline that I wrote about this or, you know, yeah, whatever it is. Like, and I want to, like, I don't, obviously, I'm not, like, the best writer in the world. I'm not, like, the best performer in the world. But I want that to be why people are laughing instead of like, oh, he's adorable and he's gay. Like, But I I think you don't have, I mean, you might have the time, but like, it's not like I've seen you do 20 minutes of gay material. Right. Like you might have 20 minutes, but it's not, like I have, I just noticed like I'm I'm writing out new sets or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I have a few chunks on what it's like to be a comedian and everything. Mm -hmm. I don't have the stones to like put all of them in the same set and do 20 minutes on this. Like, also, it's not completely relatable. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, the audience is a comedian. Yeah. So, right, okay, right. Well, it, uh, hit or miss. But, like, I, I think you've got it separated. But like, you've, you've got dead mom stuff. Uh-huh. You've got your teaching stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like there's the, you know, the, the Little League stuff, your sports, whatever. Right. And it's like, I think it's varied enough that nobody's going to walk away saying, oh, yeah, you know, the gay guy. Uh-huh. I said, no. Right. Yeah. Like, which is fine. It but it differentiates you from somebody else. But yeah. Like, no, I, I don't think anybody would walk away saying, oh, all he has is gay stuff. Uh-huh. You know? Okay. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you're self-conscious about that or whatever. But yeah. I, don't think I, should be. I think the dark material separates people mm-hmm. uh, just enough, too. Yeah. And, like, I I mean, I love dark humor. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Like, a lot of people come up to me afterward and they will say, like, uh, like Andy Kuhn uh-huh. just had, uh, you know, he he had a joke that really hit hard. It was a joke about him microdosing cum. <laughs> and, and the producer – or not the producer. The, the public relations woman at the venue was like, 
she's probably in her mid 40s she goes i love that cum joke and i'm like i never thought i'd oh, hear my gosh a woman <laughs> yeah. of your age say that scream like, i love that cum yeah. and, and like you don't know you right. don't know what's gonna hit with anybody yeah but i i get more of a response from the other comedians or uh, about the other comedians uh, from the audience members about the dark humor uh-huh interesting it. yeah it's interesting yeah at the show at um prison city the other yeah. night it was like sometimes during the comedians i would kind of look around because um for dario stuff especially like i've heard it before so i kind of am like okay what how are other people responding to this what's like the the feel and it's so weird the people who you will look at and think like, oh, they can't handle a sex joke yeah. or they can't handle a joke about death. They can't handle this. Like you look over at them and they're like turning to their partners and they're like laughing to them. Yeah. And they're just like having a great. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what that is? Like, well, you know, <laughs> I psych myself out so much when I go into an Elks Lodge or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a lot of older people. Let me not do the dirtier stuff. Uh -huh. And then I, like, I, have an, I have a pretty good set. And then the person who follows me has like all sex stuff. They fucking love it. You're like, and damn like, it. Every time. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so me. stupid. I don't learn about this stuff. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's like, why do you know? Yeah. It's like, who told you about a pocket pussy? Right, exactly. I'm like, well, she probably made it. Like, she probably invented it. Yeah. yeah She's yeah. like, well, I patented this. Yeah, I was, um, this was probably one of like, to this day, one of my favorite shows I've ever done because it was... No, we don't um, talk about our favorite shows in this one. No, no, no. no. We okay. only talk about the crap. <laughs> the, we only talk about the bad stuff. Go for it. Um, uh, thank you for permission. <laughs> um, it was good in that... Well, so it was a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And um, my friend had asked me to do it. And I was like, sure, it'll be great. It was at this winery. And I walk in and it's just this sea of gray. And I like felt so bad. I was just like... Oh. And at this point, I had no other material. Yeah. Uh, this was I did. I was doing ten to fifteen, and I was like, "This is all I have." And I even stretched. I was like, "I'll just do some new stuff because I don't have fifteen minutes, but I want to do it so bad." And I was like, I walked in. I'm like, "They're not going to know what grinder is. They're not going to know what a top and a bottom is." I'm yeah. like, "These people, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get like the I don't know. They're not going to get it." And so. I get up there and they laughed at everything. And I was like, what? I was like, guys, I underestimated you. It's we like, all have cable. Uh, you're right. Yeah, exactly. We They're like, we're watching HBO. Like, we know what's going on. But it was like so crazy to me because I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. And I had psyched myself out. Like you're saying, I was like, they're not going to like this. But I had nothing else. I couldn't turn to anything else. So I was like, well, I got to do it. And they liked it. They, um, I even did my dead mom stuff and they liked the dead mom stuff. And I was like... Well, for for people who are <laughs> close, I was like, I was surprised that this went over as well as it did. <laughs> but all right, guys. Yeah, but, it, people have sense of humor of all ages. Like, yeah. My grandma has a pretty dark sense of humor. She's 94. Wow. She'll never come to one of my shows. No. Uh, I think if I started doing stand-up in, in a living room, she'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed now. She's like, how do I turn this off? Yeah, yeah. Where's... <laughs> Stop throwing the remote at me, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> but I... It's just, I don't know. I, I, I'll i go to a small room in like a, uh, in Nineveh and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, they're not going to understand these. And they will. I think yeah. maybe they just don't like me. But like, <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll, I will never believe that I can know what everybody in that room is going to think. Right. And it's like, I, I used to tell a joke and 
I don't remember the joke anymore, but I never understood why people laughed at it, and they did. Mm -hmm. So that I mean, I don't even understand my stuff. Yeah, and why that gets response. I'm not going to ever think I can understand somebody else's head Mm -hmm. and how they think. Right? Like it's not it's not going to work. No, it's so true because yeah, and I think I'm sure many people have said it, but the one who I think of, Beth Stelling, who she she is my all time favorite. Really? Yes, I love her so much, and she. When I watched her first, her special on the stand-ups on Netflix, that was the first time I was like, oh, like, stand-up is accessible to me. Like, I am allowed to do it. Because before that, I was like, I have to be a straight guy who's married, yeah. talking about his family or kids or whatever, or talking about politics. And I'm like, I know nothing about politics. I know not Like, I can't talk about that. And so all the things that I th- – or like Dane Cook. Like, when I was in middle school, like, oh, I was like, everyone – yeah, yeah, everyone was listening to Dane Cook. And it was like, ooh, it's dirty. He's way, talking about butts. Middle school, that, that hurts. Because I sorry. was out of college <laughs> when Dane Cook yes. was really big. I'm sorry. I'm Whoopsies. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yes, I remember like so distinctly being on the bus in middle school, like going to school. And I'm like listening. And I was like, okay, I'm putting on Dane Cook. Yeah. And I was like, and he's on my old MP3 player. And I was like, oh, but I could net like, and I didn't, didn't know back then that, oh, I want to do stand up. But I just, that, like that was the exposure that I had. It wasn't that we weren't listening to like stand up around the house. Yep. So I only knew what I knew. And I was like. Well, I'm not like any of these people. And then I watched Beth Stelling and I was like, oh my gosh, like she's just talking about her family. She's just, like her presentation, her like just delivery is so funny and she's just so natural and she just seems like such a good person. And I was like, that's who I want to be. Like that's the kind of stand up I want to be. But she had said, um, oh my gosh, why did I start, start talking about her? It was something that she said um, – in a podcast at one point. What were we talking about even before I have no this? idea. I have no idea either. Um, you, were, you were playing golf badly. <laughs> yeah, was, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I lost right. track then, of what you're saying. <laughs> like, I just blacked out <laughs> once you started talking about golf. That was, we were done with it. Um, I don't know. I don't remember what I was saying. But um, anyway, it'll come back to me later. Yeah, that's fine. It'll come back to me. So, okay. Yeah. So, is Best Sounds your all-time favorite comedian, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. What what other comedians, what other shows shaped your sense of humor, you think? Mm. What drove you to go to L.A. and write comedy scripts? Okay. Um, so, yeah, Beth Stelling. Um, Joel Kim Booster. Yep. That also, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I was like, I understand what he's saying. Like, I'm, I like, felt like we were, like, speaking a, a similar language. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like. If he can get up there and talk about these things, I can get up there and talk about these things. So definitely Joel Kim Booster, um, Nate Bargatze. Yeah, uh, so good. He's so good. Um, Bothers me that he's so good and so clean. So clean. (laughs) I know. And that is something that I like want to strive for at some point, being able to just like tell stories and it's just so clever, so dry. It's like, I love it. All right. What else? Trying to think like, so for like TV, I would always, I was like very inspired by like parks and rec the office like those were like i was like oh that's i would like that's the kind of style i want to write like did you watch them live uh parks and rec yes okay the office uh no okay i only binge them you do okay only i i was working second shift so and i didn't have a dvr or a tivo at the time whatever Uh so i purposely ignored every tv show so i could 
watch just them in, to- in their entirety. Uh-huh. See, that's what, like, that's so funny because that's what I'll do now. Yeah. I, like, wait. Like, I still haven't watched Ted Lasso yet. The, or or the second amazing. season. Yeah. I watched the first season. But then when the second season started to come out, I was like, uh-uh, I just want to wait till it's all out. And then I'll watch it all at once, which now I think it's out. But, yes. So, that's how I am, too. I just want to binge it. Um, trying to think. What else? So, like, are you thinking just, like, like comedians, yeah, TV, yeah. shit, like, anything? Okay. Anything. I mean, uh, for me, like, I grew up watching The Simpsons. Mm, and okay. that was a huge thing. Roseanne uh-huh. was big. Married to Children, A Living Color. Yeah. I mean, those shows really set the foundation for, I mean, everything I think is funny. I mean, uh, one of my favorite movies is Blank Man. And Mo Money. And any, <clears throat> any Sandler and Jim Carrey movie. Uh-huh. I grew up in like 1993, 94. Yeah. When Sandler was huge and Jim Carrey was huge. You know, Ace Ventura and Billy Madison came out. And that's why like every every guy in his mid-30s to early 40s can quote all of Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Yeah. You know, that's just what it is. Dumb and dumber. Right. And so those, I saw those guys and I'm like, I just want to be this goofy guy who makes my friends laugh. And then you, you get the Simpsons and it's like just, you know, just clever writing Yep. And just Roseanne with the insult comedy. I mean, all of that stuff kind of formed who I am. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that, that's I'm always curious about that. Like, like because I think if, when you watch TV, you pick up, you know, you, you're, that. You, know, you know what you can relate with, but you also pick up comedy styles. Right. It's like, okay, well, I know Darlene is going to be mean to Becky. Oh, I can be mean to my sister. Uh-huh. Like, I can, I can get this, this uh, witty response and I can see the sarcasm in friends and be like, oh, Okay, Chandler does it this way. I can do it that way. Yes. Uh-huh. So that, that's where, where I am. I see. Okay. Yep. Um, now that you mentioned it, Friends for me was a big one. And actually, when I was in, oh my gosh, we were in probably sixth, we were in sixth grade, me and Joan, Rob Wilson, yeah. we had the same homeroom and we were both obsessed with Friends and we played Bamboozled. The like game show that uh, Joey is auditioning oh, for, God. and he Where makes no rules, no rules, and so the, <laughs> so we're playing this game in homeroom, and you know all the kids are like getting so into it, and we're like we don't know what the fuck we're doing, like we <laughs> they don't know what they're doing, we don't know what we're doing, but it was just so fun and so ridiculous. Every day we'd come in, and be like we're just play bamboozled, so that was definitely a big one. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. Um, I'd watch that a lot. Um, my mom watched that one. My mom watched a lot of King of Queens, which I never, uh, I never watched. Watched it. Watched I should watch. It. It's okay. so good. It I've really like, is good. I've seen episodes here or there, but I never have watched it all the way through. So okay, I'll watch that one. What else? What was I? Yeah, I was very like would, and I still do to this day. Just watch the same things over and over yep, and over. And it started young, and so Friends was the one we watched over yeah. and over and over and over. I grew up with Boy Meets World. Oh, and that's yes. one of my favorite shows, and I think it's mainly because. I mean, it's a good show, but it's mainly because I was the main character's age. Oh, okay. So, so you could really... Kind of. There was a year where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll skip him a grade. And it kind of fucked up everything. You were like, no, wait, yeah, I like, haven't skipped a grade like, yet. Me and Corey, we're, we're, we're good, <laughs> we're right? Buds. No. So you go to your principal, you're like, I have to exactly, skip a grade. Yeah. So um, I moved next door to my principal and everything. And, yeah. And I, I mess a lot in this show. And, <laughs> yeah. but, but that one I can watch over and over again. I just think it's a very, very well cast uh-huh. uh, TV show. That's a very it, good show. It, it's a good, it's a great one. Yep. And I, yeah, I always have a soft spot for Full House. Oh, yes. Anything I uh-huh. grew up watching. You know, when I, I would say that when I was like 12, that was the peak time of my life. 
Uh-huh. You know, I had What's no it? no girl problems, no bills, no responsibilities, no job. Just boy uh, meets world. Y- yes, in just little league baseball, boy, and, yeah. you know, like, and then uh, it, it's just everything else. It just went. It's gone downhill from twelve. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Good. Like, the last twenty six years have been a nightmare. Uh, yeah. but, but no, but but I go back and I'm like, oh well, what was I watching when I was twelve? Mm-hmm. It was boy meets world. It was Full House. It was boy Saved meets- by the Bell. Yep. And I'm still watching those shows and listening to podcasts about them and uh-huh. everything. So yes, yeah. I'm just I'm like those- I'm in a, a constant state of arrested development. Uh huh. Another good show, by the way. Yeah, also yeah. a good one. Okay, I'm trying to think what I was watching when I was 12. I was watching a lot of Disney Channel. Um, Lizzie McGuire. I was watching a lot of. When um, did you know you're gay? Um. So, um, <laughs> I, when the doctor was patting me on the back, he was like, he "Start crying." I was, I was twelve. I was watching a lot of Lizzie McGuire. I've never seen the show. I just assume <laughs> but it's a very, boy who was watching Lizzie gay. McGuire. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. <laughs> I know. I'm like, and I tried to keep it a secret from my parents. Hey, I'm like, I watched nine hundred two and zero, and nobody oh, knew about it until gosh. like I got out of college. Oh my gosh! My ex girlfriend in college, she would. Well, yeah, we were dating in college. We were ex in college. Uh, she'd say, yeah, I'm not available between like 11 and 1 or 10 and noon, something like that. It was a two-hour block. Mm-hmm. And she never told me why. So she's like, yeah, I, if you message me, I'm not going to respond. I'm like, all right. So we gra- we graduated and I ended up moving to Baltimore. She was working in Baltimore. So was I. We were going to start dating again. And then I started watching the soap network from like, uh-huh. uh, I think, 10 to noon. And 90210 was on. So we're walking. And I don't know how it happened, but she spilled the beans that she was watching 90210 during that block. And I said, are you kidding me? (gasps) Because I'm watching that now. (laughs) I watched it when I was in middle school. We could have been watching that together. Yes. You're like, why do we have to hide it away? It was ridiculous. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. You're like, I'm watching it because I couldn't talk to you during those two hours. I had to do something. Yes. (gasps) Wow. It was crazy. That's very crazy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And do you you still watch it? I'll be honest. I've never watched it. No, I, I don't watch it now because okay. it's not accessible for me right now. Really, right. I guess it is, but uh, like I have all the it's DVDs. But... Or like that. No, I will not buy. <laughs> I won't buy it now because it's streamable. Mm-hmm. But like nine hundred two and oh, the box set was in like my uh, my queue, <gasps> my list, my Ooh, cart yep. for a while as a saved item. Yep, and I'm like. I won't buy it because somebody would come over to the house and see it. Oh, so I was like, if I buy it, I have to hide it like porn. Yeah. I mean, I hide my porn. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I did that with, for the longest time with my DVD of Brokeback Mountain. And yes. And I distinctly remember I was moving into my dorm and it was like sophomore year. One and one of my best friends at the time, Caroline, she, um, she was in my room while I was like organizing everything. And, I had like one of those like clear Tupperware things where you can like that has the drawers and everything and the drawers were clear and the DVD that was right up front was Brokeback Mountain and I saw I just happened to notice it didn't make any deal of it I just went and I like put it behind a few DVDs and she goes did you just move Brokeback Mountain to the back and I was like I may have but it felt like I'm like this dirty thing I have to like hide away I'm like I don't want people to know I watch it and actually enjoy it I'm like that'd be too cliche um (laughs) That's too much. Let them work a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I want them to pull out the other ones first. (laughs) But I, oh my gosh, my parents, like, they had to have known that I was gay way before because it was like, it must have been 12 or 13. And we were getting work done in our house. Like, we were getting um, some remodeling done. And it was during the summer. And I was home from school, had nothing to do during the summers. And I 
would be watching Hannah Montana. Yeah. And this like crew of like burly men are like walking in and out of the house. And I'm just like in the living room, just like, nobody's perfect. I gotta work it. I have like these pom-poms that my mom got me for Hanukkah. And I was like, nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. And I'm like, these guys, I'm like, they must have been like, what is happening in this house? I'm like, what are they? What's in the water here? They're like, we're not drinking anything here. Where does a guy get Hanukkah pom-poms? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was so perfect. My uncle had gotten me a jersey of uh, LeBron James. Yeah. I was like 10, 9 yeah, or 10. He was trying. And he was really trying. <laughs> but I was like, I didn't know who LeBron James was. And my mom was like, you only have to wear it when he comes to visit. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then I like opened up her gift to me. It was like pom-poms. And I was like, wow, this woman knows me. <laughs> she really gets it. She does. Oh my gosh. But I just like, like... <laughs> I don't have it, but I like the idea that, like, I told my mom that I was, like, I told, like, because I did, like, now I came out to all of them once, but, like, if I told her, like, I was gay first, I'm, like, don't, don't tell anyone. And yeah. she's, like, I won't tell anyone. It's our secret, you know? And then she hands me a Hanukkah present and sees pom-poms. And I'm, like, well, this is not a good way to keep it under wraps, Janice. All right. What are you doing? What are you doing here? <laughs> Maybe she told you you were gay. Yeah. Ex- that's <laughs> Sarah's thing always. She was, like, Josh, your parents sat you down. And they're, like, we have something we need to tell you. <laughs> Don't see us any differently, but you are gay. That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. It's great. So what do you want to do as a comedian? I mean, do you, is, I mean you're teaching now, and I assume yep. you like it. I do like it. I really like it. Um, I love my job. I love the people I work with. The kids are great. I think <laughs> I like how you mowed past that. Yeah, kids my, are the kids, are, the kids yeah. are there, too. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I ultimately, I want, if I could find a way to combine the two be working, you know, to school during the year and then during the summer, like be touring and stuff like that's, that's what I would want to do. There's this comedian I like, his name is Joe, I think it's Dombrowski. I can't remember his last name, but um, Mr. D is like what he goes by and he teaches kindergarten and during the summers and then like trails into the year a little bit, he will go on tour. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's what I would love to do. And I think ultimately, Ultimately, I do want to be able to be to not even like have my own tour. Like if I could, that would be great. But I want to be opening for people. I want to be featuring for people because I'm like, that's just way less pressure. I think it maybe mm-hmm. Seinfeld said he was like, there's so much more pressure when it's you and you're touring yeah. and people know who you are. He's like, but if you're opening for people and they don't know who you are and then you're funny, they're going to be like, wow, that was a great surprise. Everybody like, says the feature is the easy spot. Mm, so okay. like, we're doing the shows and like the host has a tough job yeah because you don't know the audience right you know and people probably aren't there to see you right so you gotta you gotta muscle through and just set up everybody and if they don't like you you gotta come back and say hi remember me I, hey. you didn't like me I'm back here <laughs> you get to see me more <laughs> I'm gonna do eight more minutes just cause yeah. you don't like me uh, but the headliner has to shoulder all the load like you gotta do 45 minutes feature easy 20 yeah you know it, yep. hopefully the host did this job or her job you know set up I mean, you're, you're already, you're good. the momentum then, is there. And then you can watch the yeah. rest of the show. Yep. I think ultimately right now, like that's what I would love to be. And for me, like that's my like big goal yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. And I'm sure that will change. But Joel Kim Booster was on a podcast and the, the guy asked, he's like, he's like, how will you know if you like made it? Like, when will you feel like you've made it? And he was like, well, I like my biggest goal at this point 
point in my life was I wanted to do 20 minutes. And he goes, and I did 20 minutes and I featured for people. And he goes, and then I was headlining. And then he's like, and I felt like I made it. And then I was like, nope, I have to do more. Then I got a show and I did this and then did this and this. And he goes, and so the bar is just like always, you're like always raising it for yourself. And so hopefully I'll raise my bar, but like, and I'm sure I will someday. But for me right now, I'm like, I just want to like be driving to shows. I want to be like, I don't know why. I, I, like for me, I want to be flying. I want to yeah. be like touring. Like, and that's for me what I think would be the the coolest thing and like the biggest accomplishment right now. Like that would be obviously when I have like a 20 minutes, that's like a solid 20 minutes, like always works, whatever. But yeah, for me. You started in 19, man. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You're, and you're, you're great now. So oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I think you're on your that. way. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Well, it's, 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 blush. Well, I don't know. That's why I have to lie at least once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. You, thank you for saving it. It's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> why, blow, why blow it early? You know? I know. Exactly. No? You can Come save on. that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is there anything you're working on? Anything you want to promote? Um, What do I want to promote? Um, I... <laughs> I should be working on more stuff. No. Uh, thanks for guilting me. It's oh, no the problem. first day of the new year right now, okay? You I don't so far behind. I, I know. I know. We're hours into the new year, and I have done nothing with myself yet. Um, yeah, no, I'll keep you posted. But right. Well, how can people follow along with you on social media, anything like that? Yes, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at ThatJoshuaKid, and on TikTok at ThatJoshuaKid93. And you're... 28 years old, so it's acceptable for you to be on TikTok. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm a lot legally I can do it. Man, I'm 38 yep. and I still have not posted one video. I'm afraid to. I'm People afraid the technology is out. gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they will, yeah, no. No, you can't. And that's the thing about it. Like there are old people like they're in their thirties on <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> <they're done>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I had to get my dig in too. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, I'll eventually i got three cats i gotta do something with tiktok i know yeah I mean, people why, love animal stuff. why else would you have cats right exactly for the social media engagement like that's what it's all about <laughs> that's what it's about cats and kids like why else would you have them yeah exactly i always joke that like the only reason i want kids is for the material yes like that's it like, yes i'll i'll oh. open for somebody who's get who has kids and same deal with the the dirtier jokes at an elks lodge like that stuff hits so hard and i'm like damn it i yeah because it's either you have kids and you can relate to it, or it's like, I don't have kids, thank God. Yes. And this is why. It's yeah. like, so it works both ways. I did a show last night with two other people who don't have kids. And, you know, happy people yes. and couples <laughs> generally have kids. And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, we missed out on a little bit yep. of relatability here. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're all happy we don't have kids. You're wondering why don't you have kids? Yeah. You know? What happened? Yeah. What's wrong here? <laughs> Well, dude, I appreciate it, man. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for making the 13-minute drive. You know, uh, hopefully, you know, traffic is easier going back and it'll be 12 or 11 minutes. But (laughs) we'll see. One can only hope. One can hope. Yep. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I hope they let me in